Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. So I think this series, the Holy Spirit series, has come at a time, a really good time. And um, shall we just recap real quick on, on last week's message um, I felt it was really a real powerful time of ministry too that we had at the end. But um, we talked about Pentecost ha- happening last week. Pentecost didn't happen last week, obviously. Um, but we talked about Pentecost and what Pentecost was. Pentecost was that day, 50 days after Easter, 50 days after Jesus was crucified. The Holy Spirit descended and there was lightning, there was fire, there was clouds, there was noise. And the Holy Spirit came on those disciples as they waited in the upper room. And they were filled with the Spirit. They said they were baptized. They were filled to overflowing. And they began to speak in other tongues. And everyone thought they were crazy. But God was doing what God always planned to do from the beginning. Amen. He said to to his disciples before he went, John baptized with water, but one is coming after I I go. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to baptize you. He's going to soak you. You are going to be drenched with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? It's for equipping us to do the work of ministry. Because he said, I'm going to send you out. You're going to go out to all the nations of the earth. You're going to testify and tell people about me. But you're going to be equipped with a power, a dynamic power, a a dunamis power, a dynamite power that's going to give you what you need to get the job done. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples, Hey guys, it's better for you. It's to your advantage that I go. And last week we talked about the fact that Jesus next to us is not as good as the Holy Spirit in us. I know we we struggle. That doesn't always compute, I think, to myself a lot. I'd rather have Jesus right here next to me, just calling the shots, maybe telling me what to do next or coming back with a really sharp, you know, return, someone, you know, delivering zingers. You know, Jesus was good at delivering zingers. Nah, he goes, it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit. It's to your advantage. If it is to our advantage that we have the Holy Spirit, then we need to talk about it. We need to pray about it. We need to believe that the Holy Spirit wants to be inside of us. And I used, before we, we, um, we prayed for people, I used this, word ready an acronym i get this word wrong an acronym an acronym acronym an acronym not an acronym let's just move on you guys can do it you can say it ready the word is ready r is for repent we have to get rid of old habits and old ways e is for expect i need to have an expectant heart i need to want something from god and then a is ask I need to ask. I need to ask. You're not going to get it if you don't ask. You don't get anything if you don't ask for it. And, and that story that Jesus talked about, he, he gave the story. He said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be answered to you. You remember that? The tense of that word implies that it's not just like a one-off ask. It's an ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. In order to get it, in order to, to do the way that 
to ask the way that God wants us to ask, you've got to be a little bit more like my daughter, Anna. My daughter, Anna, is extraordinary because she will not take no for an answer. And the latest thing is, can I go to the zoo? Dad, can I go to the zoo today? Uh, no, it's night time. It's 7 o'clock. No, it's not time for the zoo. Uh, Dad, can we go to the zoo today? No, it's school. You've got school today. Dad, can I go to the zoo? No, you can't go to the zoo. We're just sitting down to dinner. I mean, she, she just, she's not aware or doesn't bother her at all what we're doing, where we're at, what's happening in the week. She just wants to go to the zoo. So what's going to happen? Sooner or later, we give in, right? We relent and we go, yep, okay, today's the day. We're going to the zoo. And a few days ago, she got to go to the zoo and she had a wonderful time. She sought, she asked, and she knocked. And parents relented and she got what she asked for. So I want to say to you today, if you've, like, for many people in this ministry time that we had last week, People came up, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other tongues for the very first time. So exciting, so wonderful. And yet for other people, they went for that and they asked and yet they weren't speaking in tongues. They didn't have that experience. I want to say to you today, don't take that as God saying to me, oh, maybe it's not for me. Maybe that's not what God wants for me. Oh, well, maybe it's for those people, but it's not for me. No, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. And the door will, not maybe, will be answered to you. Please. So I want to encourage you today. We're going to have some ministry time at the end of the service, just like we had last time. And I want to say to you, if you came up last week and you didn't receive, you didn't start speaking in tongues, please come forward again. We're going to pray again. If you experience something extraordinary, come forward again. Be filled up. Be filled up again. If you're feeling dry and you need the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to come forward. There really is no like, requirement except that you're able-bodied and you're willing and you want something. So please, avail yourself of this opportunity. We talked about baptism as, uh, applying back in the day to when they would dye garments. So they get a, dam, a garment and they dunk it. They dunk it and dunk it and dunk it until the garment was a different color. It was completely saturated with that dye. And that's exactly what we need the Holy Spirit to be doing in our lives to saturate us. We need to be saturated with it in order for us to, do, to be able to do the work that God has called us to do. Amen. So we're going to look at another work of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And we're going to read from Gal the book of Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read from verses 16 to 25. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And that's just season one of You Name the Show. Paradise Island, what's that? 
I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So that's the title of my message today, Keeping in Step with the Spirit. So for us who are Christians, for us who are believers, we've got these two opposing forces that are going on in our life. On one hand, we've got the carnal nature, the flesh. The, the way that I think about it that makes the most sense to me is my animal instinct, my animal urges. If I didn't have a brain, it was just all like 14-year-old kid, 14-year-old son. I'm just all urges. I'm just all hormones. There's that animal urge on, the, on one side. And the other side, we've got the Holy Spirit doing its work. They're in opposition. They're butting heads constantly. Now this war, this war that gets fought between the flesh and the spirit, it becomes heightened when you become born again. When you get saved, all of a sudden you suddenly become aware of your sinfulness. Before that, it wasn't called sin to you. It was just called normal life. And now all of a sudden you're born again and your conscience is heightened. And all of a sudden, ah, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've got this stuff in my life that I don't like. And that causes anxiety. It causes difficulty within us because we're in turmoil. We can see what's wrong with us, but we don't necessarily know how to resolve it, how to fix it. It's not fixing itself on its own. Just getting saved, as we've probably all discovered, just getting saved does not suddenly change our desires. The desires continue. So we have to make ways of changing that. And this is, a, this is a challenge for us. This is difficult. It's not easy. And there are a variety of ways we can try and deal with this fleshly, this carnal nature. And this is the very reason that Paul was writing to the Galatians. Because he, he, he came, visited Galatia. He told them the good news. They go, wow, this is amazing. And then Paul went away somewhere else to keep spreading the gospel. And while the cat's away, the mice will play, as we know. And so the Galatians started coming up with ideas, with other ideas, with different extra-biblical ideas for how they could resolve this problem of sin. And so they decided in their wisdom that instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, what we're going to do is we're going to create more laws, more customs, more things that we need to do that are going to change our behavior, including, and I just boggles the mind why you would go back to this, but why don't we start getting the guys circumcised again? Anybody? I mean, what in your, in your mind you could think that snipping off a bit on the end of your doodle is going to actually make you a better person? It's going to make you more holy. It doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. We see it today in graphic detail with um, the rise of Sharia law, and we see what happened very recently in Afghanistan with the Taliban suddenly come back into force again, and all the freedoms that people were enjoying, all of a sudden the Taliban saying, no, 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 you can't do that anymore. Like one, one story I read was about men's barbers. 
Men can't have American hairstyles anymore. You can't have short hair. You can't have it shaved at the back. That's American and that's sinful. You have to grow a beard. You can't shave your face. These are all laws that have been put. And if you don't, well, we're going to shut down your shop or, or worse. You know, you might end up losing fingers or hands. And, and this idea, if you take it to the extreme, which the Taliban are doing, well, let's just get bigger machine guns and let's make the, the punishment more severe for disobeying the law. And does that change what's going on on the inside of people's heart? Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Putting more laws on it, putting more rules around it, creating stronger and stronger limitations on sin does not change. The external things just don't work, do they? They don't change the actual sin that's, that's festering on the inside of us. How many know it's, it's not the external things, it's the, the law of the Spirit that's alive inside of us. The Spirit of life has freed me from the law of sin and death. Amen. So we've got this ongoing struggle. And, and if, if I just jump back to the beginning of Galatians in verse 1, he says this, Stand fast and do not be burdened again, burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I want to show you this amazing story, which is, just illustrates this so well. It's a former slave woman who was in the South after the American Civil War. Being a former slave, she was confused about her status and she asked, Now, is I free or be I not? When I go to my old master, he says, I ain't free. And when I go to my people, they say I is. So I don't know whether I'm free or not. Some people told me that Abraham Lincoln signed a proclamation, but by my master said he didn't. He didn't have any right to. Isn't that a wonderful illustration of the reality? Uh, my old master told me, no, 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 that law doesn't apply. Jesus Christ, his, his proclamation over my life doesn't apply. And so we can easily believe a lie that, that our old master begins to tell us, reminding us, actually, you're not really free. You're not really free. Don't listen to all that stuff, that Jesus stuff. That's not real. You're, you're different. Your sin is worse. Your sinner is harder to overcome. And so it's easy for Christians who, although they are free, although they've been set free by the, the blood of Jesus Christ, believe a lie. And so they continue to walk under the slavery of, of sin. And I guess in one sense we go, okay, I get it. I get that I'm free. I get that Jesus died for me. I understand that mentally. I can accept that mentally, but I still struggle. It's one thing to know a fact. It's another thing for it to see this reality, this change that's happening in my own life. And I think that's really where, we're, where we're, the, bat, the battle is, is an ongoing battle. In fact, just so we know, for Paul, the apostle of all apostles, he says this in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Anyone had that struggle before? Yeah, I know this is wrong, but why do I keep on doing it again and again? So Paul is giving us in this passage a couple of strategies, a couple of keys that are going to help us to overcome the sin nature 
this sin nature that doesn't disappear when we're born again. The first thing that we need to do is to crucify the flesh. Verse 24, he says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That word crucify, I mean, couldn't he have used a less severe word? But crucify is a pretty brutal word, right? Crucify, every, every Christian would understand crucify because they know the story of Jesus being crucified. And now he's saying, you need to crucify your sin. You need to crucify it. It's not just a gentle word. It's a hard word. It's a harsh word. It's a brutal word. We've got to put to death these sort of, this sort of nature that's within us. Remember what he said before was that the flesh and the spirit are at war with each other. And if you can't deal with it, if we live like we're, we continue to live with this in nature, it's, he said, we will not inherit the kingdom. I want to read to you um, another translation. It's the Passion Translation, where Paul is just outlined, just in case you're not sure what sin is, let me just give you a few examples. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, witchcraft, and, the, and the, the word for witchcraft can also imply drug usage. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry, angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder, uncontrolled addictions, drunken binges, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. It's pretty, pretty clear, pretty graphic with the, this list of things. And, and, you know, like Jesus said, even that the sin nature that's in the heart, sometimes we fantasize about some of those things. Even though we don't act on them, they're still there bubbling under the surface problem that I think that we have in our culture today is that a lot of these things that I've described aren't necessarily seen as too bad. Maybe the murder thing. There's, cert there's certain things that are still okay. You can still get away with a lot of those things and are not really being too bad of a thing. And that's the predicament that we find ourselves in as Christians, whereas other people might say, well, that's not so bad, that's okay. But your own conscience, there's something inside of you that's telling you, uh-uh, this is not right. And just a quick side, sidebar, I'm not talking about, well, let me just back up one, one second and say, we need to call sin, sin. We need to call it as it is. I think one of the dangers we have, because we want to be so full of grace and so full of mercy and so kind, is that we, we're confronted by the sin and we go, they're there. It's not that bad. We or explain it away or we explain away our own sin because it's, we think it's not that bad. I can see someone else do it. I saw it happening at the movie in the, on that last movie that I watched. It's got to be okay. But it's not okay and it has to be identified as that. And 
I'm not talking about um, us, you know, judging other people who are not Christians, their behavior. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not designed, we're not supposed to as Christians be calling out people's sin who are not walking in the light. That, that's for another day. But we need to call it out for ourselves and we need to call it out too for our brothers and sisters who are living alongside So one of the first steps that we do, that we need to do, is acknowledge our sin. We have to acknowledge it. You know, for those who are going through a recovery program and coming out of addictions, one of the things that all of the programs agree on is that you have to come up and face the facts. You have to acknowledge that your sin is sin. It's not just partying. It's not just having a good time. It's not just getting the most out of life. All the things that addicts usually say about their lifestyle because they don't want to face it. I don't want to face it, so I'm going to call it something else. I'm going to wipe, uh, wallpaper over it and pretend that it doesn't exist. That's called denial. Denial is not a river in Egypt. No? Back to the drawing board then. We can live in denial so easily, but denial gets us nowhere fast. We have to face up to that reality of what our sin is. And that is a very important step. It's not necessarily the step that solves the problem, but it's the step that acknowledges the problem. Once we can acknowledge it, then we can take the next step. We've got to crucify it. We've got to crucify it. How do we do that? Well, you get a big fat hammer and you get a big fat nail and you hammer that sucker to the cross. Paul's not really giving us alternatives. He's not saying do it slowly. He's saying you've got to crucify that thing, nail it to the cross, deal with your stuff, deal with it. Okay, there's good news. There is good news, and this will make it a lot easier. In case of emergency, crash this glass. Point number two, walk by the Spirit. This is the trump card. Verse 25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We have, we've identified our sin. We can see it. We're struggling with it. We, we don't feel capable to do it on our own. This is the good news. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you, equipping you, empowering you, giving you the supernatural ability to overcome the sin nature. The Spirit, I've got good news, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is stronger than your sin nature. The Spirit is stronger than your sin nature. So if you have the Spirit inside of you, if you are willing to listen to that voice that speaks to you, that voice, that still small voice that says to you, you need to forgive that person. You need to go and make up with that person. You need to befriend that person. You need to be generous to that person. You need to let go of that bad habit. You need to stop watching that show right now. There, that's the little inward voice that we all know that we have. We all know that we hear it. No one else hears it, but you hear it. And your conscience agrees with you. Yep, he's right. Again. In that moment, when the Holy Spirit speaks a convicting word to your heart, you are empowered to obey it. You have the ability to obey. The Holy Spirit will never ask you to do an impossible thing. And if you are willing to go on that journey with the Holy Spirit, 
He will lead you step by step by step into a life of success and overcoming sin in every area of your life. Every single area of your life. You will walk in victory. All you have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Step one. And then what's the second one? You just got to obey it. You got to obey it. Hear what he says and do what he says. Hear what he says and do what he says. Hear what he says and do what he says. That is your whole Christian life summed up in one sentence. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and then obey it. It's not really that hard. Can you imagine what the church would be capable of if we all just followed that simple rule? Can you imagine what would change? What would change? The whole world would just, the Christian church all over the world would be on fire. Hear what he says, do what he says. I'm going to read to you another translation, back to the, tra- the passion again, just to give you a little bit more context about what happens when we do that. Because Paul goes on, he goes, this is, this is what happens when you listen to that voice and obey it. This is the sort of thing you can expect to see in your life. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Now, I love this line as the musos come up. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Don't you love that word? Limitless. There is no law against what's happening in the Spirit. There's, there's nothing that contain what is contain what is possible when the Spirit is at work in your life. Can you imagine the transformation that takes place if you were just flowing in all of these fruits of the Spirit? That's the sign. That's, that's how the church should be looking. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Limitless. I love it. You mean to say, if I have the Holy Spirit inside of me, working inside of me, then there is really nothing that can stop me. There is nothing that can contain what God wants to do through my life. There is no sin power that is so strong that's been working itself in me, that's been working me over, pummeling me for the last 20 years of my life. You, You mean to tell me that the Holy Spirit in me is stronger than that? Stronger than my habits? stronger than my old ways of living? You mean to tell me that I can overcome this stuff that I've struggled with for all these years? Yes, we mean to say that. That's exactly what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives. 